Hey everyone, this is Andrew from Elite Marketing Pro. Welcome to your daily dose of awesome. As soon as someone joins, uh, do me a favor. I want to make sure that my headset is actually working. Um, so if someone can leave me a comment, that would be awesome. Uh, today I am going to share uh, a fun little piece of advertising history with you guys. Again, uh, if you're just joining, please let me know that you can hear me clearly. Uh, I am using a new uh, headset today, and I want to make sure that uh, that it's functioning properly and my audio is coming through clearly. So apologize for the uh, uh, you know long preamble. Loud and clear. Okay, excellent. Yeah, this is the first time I, I've used these, so I want to make sure that, um, that everything's functioning properly. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, today, uh, we're going to talk about a really, it's an iconic, uh, controversial, groundbreaking advertising campaign that was specifically targeting lesbians. This was back in the 90s when that was a really big deal uh, that really uh, broke uh, incredible ground and actually saved an automaker. And if you uh, perhaps were to venture a guess as to what is the uh, automaker that is most closely associated with the lesbian community, that would in fact be Subaru. Now, uh, I'm coming to you live from my Subaru, and so I've definitely been the brunt uh, of a number of uh, Subaru slash lesbian oriented jokes uh, over the years, because I have been driving uh, Subarus for over 10 years now, a uh, big fan. <laughs> um, but they are most closely associated with the lesbian community by, by far. I mean, there really is no other automaker uh, that has, you know, that very specific uh, you know, uh, you know, targeting or, or correlation uh, with any particular uh, orientation as such, and there's a very specific reason uh, that this is the case. So let's let's wind the clock back to the '90s. Now, the '90s were uh, a different time. I actually was I grew up in the '90s, uh, so I, I remember them uh, fairly well, as I imagine uh, a number of you do. And uh, certain issues that were uh, at one time a big deal are less. Uh, of a big deal these days, and uh, the whole LGBT community thing is uh, is one of those where these days uh, I don't think people are as quite as 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 worked up. It's not quite as controversial as it was back during the mid '90s. But in the the mid '90s, actually, one of the first ads that ever targeted the gay community was an IKEA ad that featured, uh, I believe, it was two men, and they were picking out a table. And that was very, very controversial at the time. There were actually, there were boycotts, there were uh, bomb threats. I mean, it was a really big thing, right? So it was a really contentious time, a really contentious topic. And it was in that environment that Subaru found themselves in a bit of a slump, actually. In the mid-90s, Subaru was not doing particularly well as an automaker. Sales were down. Sales had kind of been on a decline. And they were really struggling to find an identity for themselves and stand out from Honda, Toyota, Ford, some of the bigger automakers out there. They didn't really have a clear identity. They didn't have a clear positioning. And one thing that's important to note about car advertising, manufacturing, and branding is that cars are absolutely ubiquitous, right? We all drive cars pretty much here in the States and, and even most places around the world, we all drive cars. And cars have, of course, certain categories that are based on price, right? Like if you spend 15K for a car, you're going to get a 15K car. If you spend 25K, 35, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like there, is, there is a price differentiation in what you're going to get in terms of performance, quality, et cetera. But beyond that, 
you know, these days, you know, it's not like it used to be. It's not like back in the 60s, 70s, which I wasn't around back then, but I do know that um, cars were notoriously unreliable during those eras, with a few exceptions, of course. But these days, and in the 90s, I would say, is very much included, car quality is, is, you know, really probably comes down to more how much you're paying for the vehicle than the particular brand of that vehicle, right? Like, obviously, there are people out there that think there's a huge difference between Ford and Chevy. I don't really have a horse in that race, so, eh, I don't know. I see Fords, I see Chevys, whatever. It's really not a big deal to me. But so much of car advertising is identity-based, and it's good to have those kind of rivalries. That's the kind of thing that works up your customer base. And so, so much of car advertising, again, because this is almost a commoditized product in that, you know, what's the dif- what's really the difference between a Honda and a Toyota, right? They look a little different, but the brand themselves, right, how those companies are positioned will appeal or not to certain demographics. Now, most car companies go after, and this was particularly true back in the 90s, they would go after the just kind of like white male 18 to 35 kind of audience, right? Those are the people that are most passionate about cars. Those are the people that was that was kind of the, the standard target market. So you'd go after different angles. Right, so you might have BMW going after a very performance-oriented angle, right? The ultimate driving machine, right? This is performance. Volvo, on the other hand, would go after a safety angle, right? Like Volvo, for years, branded themselves as the safe car company. And it's actually a real shame that some of these automakers have gotten away from uh, what I think were very effective categories. Because when we think about all the different automakers, of which there are so many, we kind of need these convenient and easy little boxes to put them in to kind of help us understand, you know, where they're going for, uh, what, what kind of category are they looking to place themselves in. Because, again, you only have so much kind of working memory for you to be able to distinguish between, you know, all of this product that's out there, right? So Volvo and safety was an excellent correlation for them to make. And like I said, it's a real shame they got away from that. BMW actually made the mistake of getting away from their ultimate driving machine positioning. And they went after, I think it was Joy. I think Joy was, they, they had a Joy campaign. They ran for a couple years. Well, sales went down. And then they brought back the ultimate driving machine, went after performance again. Sales went back up, right? So you can see how these this is actually really important. And even though branding, right, which is the, the big advertising that really sophisticated markets engage in, Branding is often looked sort of down upon, uh, you know, for, you know, it, it's fun, it's polarizing, right? You know, direct response marketers, the people that, um, you know, write things like, you know, sales letters and things that are they're going after, like, an action with a particular piece of advertising, will often uh, poke fun at, at branding. And it's like, well, is branding really effective? You know, you know, how come they're not actually selling anything? Well, it's, you know, it's obviously a little bit more complicated than that. Branding actually does uh, and can work quite, quite well. So let's go back to Subaru, Okay. Um, oh, so Denise, Denise is a fellow Subaru driver. Okay, excellent. Yeah, matter of fact, and, and this is not an advertisement for uh, for Subaru, but I have driven, uh, not this Subaru, but my old Subaru. I have driven my old Subaru in ridiculously bad conditions. I'm talking like black ice up a hill, and the traction is just incredible. So anyway, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm definitely a fan uh, of Subarus. But let's go back to the 90s. Subaru sales, they're down. They're looking for a way of positioning themselves, and they're looking for a way of, uh, of differentiating themselves from all the other kind of automakers. Now, Subarus at that time, they were not, it was not all-wheel drive standard, 
they were kind of moving in that direction, but that was not a place that they had, you know, firmly committed to every single one of our vehicles is going to be all-wheel drive. That's actually something they did uh, towards the late 90s, and it was a really great move for them because it's an instant differentiator, right? Like, all-wheel drive standard. That's an easy way to create differentiation in a marketplace. But this is the mid-90s, hadn't gotten there yet. So they wanted to determine, uh, and then actually started doing some demographic research on their customer base, and they wanted to say, you know, who is buying Subarus? Who are our customers? And what they found were people that really needed to get to work. Think about your healthcare professionals. You know, anyone that works in a hospital. Doesn't matter what the weather is. If you work in a hospital, you're expected to show up because people's lives are on the line, right? So people in that environment bought Subarus. Outdoorsy types bought Subarus, right? Anyone who likes to go camping, anything like that, snowboarding, etc. Any kind of outdoorsy, sporty type bought Subarus. Again, because... They really liked the all-wheel drive, which wasn't standard at the time, but was common. And they also kind of liked the sort of just the, the rugged, uh, you know, unassuming uh, kind of, you know, Subaru was not a premium luxury automaker, right? It was, they were much more plain and drab. Okay. They also found that more so than any other, like uh, the lesbian community was four or five times more likely than any other demographic or, or, or particular niche of their customers to buy Subarus. So the executives started scratching their head and they're like, huh, so lesbians really like our cars. Well, what might, you know, what might essentially we do to capitalize on that, right? So they, they went to the drawing board and this is after they had had an advertising campaign. They, they released a new luxury vehicle. They'd actually released a sports car for the first time and they had a hip young advertising agency. Everything had, had fallen flat up until that point. So said, okay, we got we to gotta really figure something out. So they started going after the lesbian market. But again, as I mentioned at the, at the start, this was a really contentious time. Okay, the 90s, very controversial. I mentioned the IKEA ad that resulted in bomb threats. Really at the time, there weren't very many celebrities. This was before Ellen. This was before, uh, you know, Will and Grace, you know, all this stuff, right? Before, uh, you, know, you know, the gay community was, was kind of even a, a very public thing, even in Hollywood. That was the environment that they were in. So they said, well, how can we do it and how can we, uh, you know, how can we do this in a way that's not going to, you know, stir up a lot of, you know, just stir things up too much. You know, at the, at the time as well, you had like don't ask, don't tell in the military. Again, it was just, this was different times. This was the 90s, which funny enough, wasn't that long ago. <laughs> it seems actually much more recent to me because I was, I was a kid then and I don't feel like that should have been as quite as far, you know, back as it is now. But anyway, point being, so they started uh, coming up with these ads and they would do really subtle things. Uh, at first, actually, they tried to be a bit more overt, and they, they did ads that actually had, like, uh, you know, gay couples buying Subarus, doing things in Subarus, and they actually didn't test particularly well. Uh, the, the, um, the, the focus groups weren't actually uh, all that wild about those particular ads, but then they came up with another strategy, which was more subtle. So what they do is they would have ads with, uh, with Subarus, with like a little, uh, the little rainbow. Yeah, exactly. John's got it. The little rainbow uh, sticker. They would just have an ad, just a regular uh, looking ad with the rainbow sticker uh, on the back bumper, just kind of discreetly. And uh, that really spoke to the target audience and most other people at the time. It just, it was, just went right over their head. It was completely off the radar. They also would have, for instance, an ad where the vehicle would have a license plate that said Xena on it, right? Most people didn't even notice, right? But for the lesbian community, that was like Xena, the Warrior Princess, which was the show, which was very popular, apparently, among the lesbian community. So here we have these these really subtle things that are speaking to that community. 
And they would also have some that had a bit more of like a double entendre sort of thing. Like they had uh, an advertisement where the tagline was get out and stay out, right? Now, for someone looking at this ad, they're thinking, oh, this is an outdoors ad. You know, here we have a car. It's got a bike rack up top. Maybe they're, uh, they're out uh, in the wilderness. Uh, but get out and stay out. That can be a uh, double entendre for, you know, getting out of the closet, right? They also had another ad campaign that was, um, I'm going to forget all of the, the verbiage, but basically it was like born this way, right? And it was an ad for all-wheel drive, right? So, uh, you know, you know born, born this way, right? But it also has that, that double meaning. So this was wickedly effective. You know, this style of advertising really spoke to uh, that community and that community really got on board uh, with Subaru. And Subaru actually, you know, to their credit, this was more than uh, just a campaign. They started supporting uh, causes. They started offering, uh, long before anyone else, they started offering things like benefits to same-sex uh, couples that were working in their company. So, you know, again, it was, it was you know, they, they, they did things that were a bit more above the board uh, than, than just, uh, you know, what we might think of just sort of like exploiting this particular uh, community. They, they kind of backed up uh, this advertising. The advertising was wickedly effective. There's actually a kind of a funny anecdote that comes out of this era which is that when they first pitched the idea, because, you know, uh, Subaru is a Japanese uh, company, and when they first pitched the idea to the executives in Japan, uh, the story goes that the executives had to look up what the term gay meant, and when they saw, like, you know, joyous and exuberant, they were like, well, yeah, of course we want to target joyous and exuberant people, right? So additionally, they got that, that green stamp uh, on the uh, on the campaign, maybe through a little bit of a miscommunication from a, from the language barrier. But anyway, oh, and they actually, one other thing I'll mention is they, they um, uh, during the time as well, you, you really couldn't be an athlete and then come out as homosexual and then expect for your sponsors to stick around. So Subaru actually sponsored some, uh, you know, some athletes that uh, had been outed um, often against their will. So anyway, so that was, uh, you know, going back to the 90s, that was what Subaru did to really connect uh, with that audience. And it proved to be really, really effective. And so, uh, you know, the community got really excited about this and, and Subaru sales, you know, and that, again, the lesbian community was only one of the targets that they went after. They also went after the, the outdoorsy group and they went after the healthcare professionals and they had campaigns that were specifically targeted to, uh, what's up, Misha? How you doing, buddy? Um, good to see you. So uh, they had, um, you know, campaigns that were specifically targeted to all of these niche niche groups, right? But the uh, the lesbian one turned, turned was the most groundbreaking and, of course, controversial because no one else was doing that at the time. It was it was like a brand new thing. And what was cool is they kind of they were actually able to kind of keep it under the radar. Most of these advertising messages went over people's heads because uh, it was so so subtle. And, and actually, the community liked that as well. Now, what's funny too is um, that some of the internal memos from the company because they were trying to figure out, you know, like, what exactly is the appeal, right? And so for the lesbian community, it was because the vehicles were kind of drab, not really luxury, not really premium, kind of unassuming, and also had a reputation for reliability. And again, this this actually sounds somewhat sexist in uh, in retrospect from today's eyes. But uh, they were like, well, yeah, you know, uh, if you don't have a man in your life, right, to, like, maintain your vehicle, then you want something that's sturdy and reliable and, and, and drab and is just, you know, it's kind of more of a workhorse than anything else, right? So anyway, this is all, this has all come out of the campaign. But so here's the deal. So uh, I've given you guys some, some context uh, of this advertising campaign. And here's actually what is relevant to you guys and what I want you guys to think about. And I'm actually going to give you a little bit of homework, which is I've been scrolling through my Facebook newsfeed recently, 
And man, first of all, there there are a lot of advertisers out there, right? We know this. Facebook's making a pretty penny off of folks advertising because it's absolutely one of the most effective uh, platforms. You know, there are over two billion people that log in to uh, to Facebook uh, on a monthly basis. And it's a really great place to connect and target people. We know all this, right? We teach you guys uh, a lot of the strategies and tactics for leveraging Facebook, of course, here at Elite Marketing Pro. However, there are, we're not the only ones, right? We're not the only folks on Facebook, right? There are plenty of advertisers putting out some really good stuff, right? When you scroll through your feed, here's what I want you to do. I'm a big fan of Evernote. I'm also a big fan of the Evernote Web Clipper, right? When you're advertising, you're not advertising in a vacuum. Matter of fact, I wrote a blog post not too long ago. I definitely recommend you check it out. It's about market sophistication, okay? And the idea is that as a market, as more and more people are in a particular space, more and more advertisers are selling, maybe not the same thing, but similar things, similar products and services and opportunities, what you can see is an increasing sophistication and increasing need to differentiate yourself from other advertisers, okay? Now, this is this is important because, man, I gotta tell you, I've been scrolling through my Facebook news feeds recently and there's a lot of great ads. There's just there are a lot of great ads, and there are a lot of people that are targeting like freelancers. There's a lot of opportunity kind of oriented, make money online kind of oriented ads. You know, a lot of the a lot of the languaging isn't super specific because, as we know, there are only you know there's certain claims you can and cannot make. But there's a lot there's a lot out there, guys. So here's what you need to do. I want you to think a bit like those advertising executives at Subaru in the 90s. How what is the language that you guys can use that can very specifically reach out and connect with your audience, okay? That like, it's not going to connect with everyone else, right? Like when Subaru has the plate in the ad that says Xena, right? Like the the community that's intended for is like really dialed in, right? They're like, oh wow, this this is speaking to me. I mean, this is like really, really speaking my language. Everyone else, right over their head, right? They don't even recognize. So this is really important. Like you need to actually think and create a list. Because as I mentioned, there's a lot of there are a lot of great ads. Matter of fact, there are a lot of people that are doing like automated webinar funnels and like really cool retargeting right now, which is again, it's all stuff that we teach you guys how to do, but you need to realize the sophistication of the market that's out there. You need to actually look at what other people are doing. And I recommend using the Evernote web clipper, going down through your newsfeed and like clipping the ads that you see. I make a habit of it actually. And in that way it's it's good for a number of reasons. But for one, it's, it creates a great swipe file for you. You can see what other people are doing. When you see an ad consistently, you know that that person is very likely doing well and making money. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be seeing their ad consistently. When you click on something, maybe register for something, and you start getting uh, retargeting ads from them, you know, you can see how they're structuring out their campaigns. A lot of what's happening in effective advertising is you're not in a vacuum, right? Like you're, you're not just, you know, in, in this place with no context, right? You're competing with all of these other people you're right. You're showing up in folks' news feeds along with all these other advertisers. So you need to know how to differentiate and stand out from them. So again, think back to Subaru's strategy. What are some of the words and terms that you guys can use? I know most of you, again, of course, here at Elite Marketing Pro are in the network marketing community. There are a lot of very specific terms that relate to network marketing that you guys can use to really specifically target people that are going to be receptive to your message, okay? There aren't, I mean, prospects is a, is a bit more of a general term, right? But things like recruiting, things like different levels, right? Like you can, uh, you can, of course, make income claims, but if you throw out terms like, I'm, I'm not even going to know some of these as well as you guys, right? But like a diamond, for instance, like I know a diamond is a, is a particular level in a really 
you know, large company that's out there, right? But when you start using these words, the, your target audience is going to understand what you're talking about and no one else is, right? This stuff is just not going to speak to people who aren't specifically your target market. So really think about what are these insider terms, right? What are these terms that your folks are going to know, the people that you're specifically writing these ads to? What are the terms that they're going to know that just aren't going to speak to everyone else? And when you, when you can actually write an ad, it's t so specifically targeting your target market that if someone who wasn't in your target market doesn't, it just doesn't even make sense to them, then you know you're, you're actually onto something. You're like, wow, okay, I'm really speaking this particular language, right? Like think, and this is true of any niche, right? Like think about, um, I'm sure you guys have probably bumped up against, you know, what might be another industry, like, I don't know, the, the paleo or, or what's the, the term, the ketogenic stuff, right? Like I, I see a lot of that right now. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to even pretend like I know very much about it, right? But people are all into like keto and, and all this stuff, right? Like they're using all these like real specific terms and words and you know it's just like this this world i know nothing about right so when i see information you know about that particular thing it just i, I don't even get it you know what i mean it would be the same thing with someone who's like really into like exercise and or weightlifting or something and they're talking about deltoids and it's like i don't know what a deltoid i think i have a deltoid i have no idea what a deltoid is right they're all these like muscle groups that I literally know nothing about, even though they presumably they're in my arm or my neck or so. Anyway, you see what I'm saying? Like you want to really specifically target your people so that no one else knows what's going on. No one else is, is going to resonate with this message because when you try and target everybody, right? Think about Subaru, right? They can't compete with the, well, in the 90s anyway, they're doing much better now, but they couldn't compete with the Fords. They couldn't compete with the Chevys and the Toyotas and the Hondas, right? They had to go after these specific groups that were really receptive to what it is that a Subaru is putting out there. And when they did that, they won. They've been growing consistently ever since and are doing quite well. And now, of course, they've they've branched out, you know, beyond just being kind of a, a rugged, unassuming uh, and, and robust car company. Now they have luxury vehicles and now they have sports cars and, and all this stuff. But they were only able to do that once they had a really solid foundation of consumers. So that's what I want you guys to think about. Again, my homework for you is pay, I mean, seriously, pay attention when you're scrolling through your Facebook newsfeed. See what other advertisers are doing. You know, don't copy it, but but make a copy of it, right? Like clip it uh, so that you can actually see. Go through some other funnels. See what other people's retargeting is looking like. See what their follow-up is looking like. You know, don't get all caught up in it, right? Like don't get in like a buying frenzy because it's like a new shiny thing. Think back, you know, think critically and analytically about what's going on there. And that's you're gonna, it's really going to help you to inform how you should be modeling your campaigns. It's going to give you some good ideas. Uh, really, the swipe file is huge. You know, you guys, you really want to be paying attention to what other folks are doing because, again, you are not marketing in a vacuum, okay? You're competing with all these other people, so you need to know what they're doing and saying and how to differentiate yourself from them. That is my message for you guys today. Hope you have a fantastic and productive week, and I'll see you next time.